<laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special Amigos event. Uh, you'll, uh, you'll recall that last week, myself and John Bodekar Schaller had a chance to sit down and play the Amiga classic from CinemaWare, The King of Chicago, a unique game even amongst uh, the other CinemaWare offerings. And uh, you could argue that this comes closer to the true vision of CinemaWare than pretty much any of their other games, with the uh, vision being that you're making a, a movie that you play. And uh, we were very fortunate to be uh, in contact with pretty much the man solely responsible for King of Chicago. Uh, and he's joined us today. Uh, I'd like to welcome in Doug Sharp. Doug, uh, thanks for joining me today, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm, I'm very pleased that people are still interested in my old games. It, it makes me feel great. So thanks. Uh, I, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk to you just briefly on... Before we get into King of Chicago, um, how did you uh, get into? Because this is you're talking still the fairly early days of, of computer gaming and stuff. And of course, King of Chicago wasn't your first offering. How did you get uh, roped into the whole programming video games thing? How did that come about? Uh, I started as a fifth grade teacher, um, and Apple IIs arrived at the school. And I'd take them home on weekends, learn to program in basic. And um, soon I realized that I probably make more money doing a computer program. I was making it as, as an elementary school teacher and that sure turned out to be true. So um, <laughs> I, I, I went for a few months to a grad program in computers and in education. Uh, but one of the professors there, Mike Johnston, um, and I decided, well, we'll form a company and, and make some money. And, and that's what we did. Um, so um, I, I did a lot of porting of games between machines to make money. Uh, we wanted to make a, a, uh, uh, a bankroll that we could use to um, do our next game, our, our first game, really, which was Chiplets. Um, and so we made good money, um, like moving a game from uh, the Atari, you know, Atari 800 to the Radio Shack um, and uh, Commodore 64, a lot of Apple to Commodore 64. So we got good money because we had virtually no com competition. And so um, Mike and I came up with this game chipwits and love to talk about that but that's not what we're here for um and it was it was a bestseller it uh at the time and so um that got me into the game industry and since then most of the money i've made has come has come from computer games and i'm very proud of that i, I definitely um, want to touch up on chipwits uh in, in, in a bit because that that's a that's a, your other big hit, and they're, they're, it's sort of uh, it's also still sort of in the uh, lingering around phase, much like King of Chicago. Now, um, I read a great article. I want to definitely want to give this guy a shout out, uh, the digital ant antiquarian who who did a real nice write up uh, on your uh, on your game King of Chicago. Um, so when Chipwitz came out. Would you call that a major hit or a, or a you know, it was, it was a fairly popular game. And as I recall, it, I have to say, I, I don't know if I've played Chipwits, but I knew about it, the game that sort of was the predecessor. It's sort of like a, a robot programming sort of, right. but you, it, it's sort of like a battle, but yours wasn't really battle based. It was like mission based. Am I getting that right? Um, Right. It it was uh, it it wasn't two mechs, you know, slinging missiles at right. one another. I mean, they were they're human humorous little robots who drink coffee and eat pie for power. And um, <laughs> the the big thing about Chipwitz is that we invented a new language um, that's entirely based on icons, uh, purely visual language, and so um, that. I did the game. I, I coded it um, in the fall of 84. And that was the first year that the Mac came out in the spring of 84. So within six months, I, I had a, 
I'll brag. Within six months, I had a, a bestseller out. Uh, and of course, there were very few games on the Mac at first. Um, and Chip Witz was good, so it won a lot of awards. And, you know, um, proud of both my games, uh, the uh, King of Chicago and Chip Witz. Um, so, yeah, uh, and I got to put in a plug right now, and we can talk more later, but sure. go to chipwitz.com. Sign up for the mailing list and you can be a play tester. Um, uh, next month, we're going to do some more play testing. And uh, it's a very addictive game, just as programming can be addictive. So I uh, hope a few of you sign up. I, I got to ask you, since you br brought it up, what what, what platform is Chip going to be uh, coming out on? We're doing it on the Unity platform. So Oh, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's going to be out there. Um, for real, you know, <laughs> be running on a lot of machines. So. Very good, very good. Now, I want to I want to talk about how you transitioned or came out of that. Like, what's can you briefly explain to me the bridge between when you finished up Chipwitz? Because uh, I believe you're, the next thing you got into was, in fact, the Mac version of King of Chicago. Like, how did what happened in in the middle there? I, uh, you know, I write sci-fi now. Um, I've always consider myself a writer. I mean, that that has been my goal. And so um, the, the, the thing that really pulled me into King of Chicago was Bob Jacob. Um, he, part of the Chipwitz story is that um, he, in, in 84, he was a software agent. He uh, would, you know, developers up with publishers that that was his his gig and um at uh, in the summer of the year when when we were pretty far along with Chipwitz and um we were very confident um we we're almost arrogant about approaching publishers because we knew okay we have something that we think is going to be big and so uh as we were about to send it out to publishers I saw probably in the back of creative computing or something like that, a li tiny little ad, uh, Bob Jacob, software agent and uh, phone number. And uh, and so that, you know, got my curiosity. I said, okay, we'll call this guy. And if he can convince us that we need an agent, we'll sign up. And he convinced us. I mean, he, he and he did a, he did a, a strange but good job for, for Chipwitz. We wound <laughs> up with two, uh, publishers, which um, wasn't ideal, but you know, we sold about twenty-two thousand copies, which was pretty big back then. Yeah, it wasn't that's real good. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a major hit, you know, but uh, it it sold some copies and got some fans. Um, and so um, he was my Bob Jacob was my agent for Chipwitz, and then he got this crazy idea for a company called Master Designer. And he um, he liked my work on Chipwitz, and so he asked me to be one of the first four um, master designers uh, to do games. Uh, and of course, master designer later became Cinemaware, um, which yeah, catchier title. I mean, yeah, uh, it's a good title. And um, so Bob said, "Okay, we're uh, it's all about movies on computers." And um, I've got some genres that you can pick from. You know, I've got uh, sci-fi. Um, I've got a Robin Hood-like adventure. And uh, got one set in, you know, in, in Persia. And then a gangster and a gangster game. And I immediately jumped at the gangster game. I wasn't a real scholar of gangster movies, but I enjoyed them. And so that was my slot. I was doing the gangster game. And um, so uh, I had, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get deep into the system that I built to take, tell interactive narratives, um, but I'll, I'll maybe later uh, I can talk a little about it. So I had this set of ideas about how you could tell a story without hard branching through the whole story. And that was the heart of Dramaton. Um, and um, so uh, I, I didn't want to do just 
branching narrative. Um, they bored me. You know, if you make the same, I mean, even if you make the same divisions, uh, decisions in King of Chicago, you'll eventually wind up on a new storyline. Um, but um, so, um, so I had the story that was developing in my mind. Um, I had to learn C <laughs> and I had a very tight budget. So uh, didn't have money for an artist. <laughs> and so um, me, oh, Callahan, there they are. <laughs> Ola, <laughs> I love Ola's it. Stereotypical gangsters. The uh, here's Bull, uh, <laughs> the ugly enforcer, and here's here's the last one. <laughs> They've held up great, haven't they? <laughs> I'm a pack rat, and I'm glad. You know, one of the things I've enjoyed in the last 37 years is I carried around a box. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's funny. I'm glad you, I was going to bring that up and you, you beat me the punch there. You know, one of the things that sets the, the Mac release, I mean, well off from pretty much anything else is the fact that you use those clay, the clay figurines. Like, are you, uh, is, do you work in the medium of clay as a sculptor? Is like, how did you, how did that happen? Can you get into like when you decided what to do in terms of the art? Like, where did that come from right there? Well, I like to, I, I mean, I, I like to dabble in various art forms. You know, yeah. I, I, I put out weird albums and, you know, I write sci-fi. And, um, and so it just seemed like a fun thing to do. And um, it was, even though I wound up with these potato heads that really turned off some people, but some people uh, really love them. And and I'm proud of them. You know, they're goofy. Oh, yeah. It's it's so memorable. I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to find another game that looks anything like that Mac version. <laughs> you know, and it's, of course, you've got that strap to this uh, insanely impressive, you know, dialogue uh, game that you've got there. And it really... It, in some ways, uh, I find it quite charming, uh, too, if I'm honest about it. I mean, yeah, the Amiga version, obviously, is a better look than the other versions. But, I mean, the the clay, there's something you just don't, you just don't ever see in that in any other game. So, I, I found <laughs> that highly entertaining. How long would it, I mean, did you have, were those all the clay figures you made? Did you have more characters? Or those? those oh, the, I've got a big box. I've got probably eight more. Really? Um, you know, even some small characters that only have a few lines, like the kid. Yeah, little, I, I figured you'd have to have more than just yeah. Now, uh, when you when you were making these things, did you did you make them to like? I guess what the, the next question I want to ask it sort of feeds into the figurines. Like when you're constructing a game like this with so much, I can't even imagine the amount of just text that's in this game and the, and the amount of dialogue you had to put together. Like it just seems like a daunting task for one man. You know, it's, it's, well, it's here's the script of uh, King oh, of holy moly, it's a hunk of writing, yeah, yeah, and it's it's you know, it's it's oh, wait a minute, let me turn it upside down, I'm showing you blank pages. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, it's very intricate. Let me see, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, but I had the help of a uh, local Minneapolis playwright, Paul Walsh. Paul Walsh, yes. He's credited on there as the dialogue coach, if I'm not mistaken, something like that, which I thought was that very movie-like, for sure. Yeah, he, he helped me write the script, and we you know, jokingly said he's the dialogue coach. But um, one of the things about my interactive narrative system, Dramaton, since you didn't have to, to make this intricate tree of branches, um, you could at any time just say, oh, I want, you know, Pinky to um, go to a beer hall and involve him in a fist fight. And um, we'd write that little scene. We'd set it up so we knew, you know, is it a beginning scene, a middle scene, a closing scene? And then we'd say, okay, he's only going to have this fist fight if he doesn't like this other character, you know, so we'd set it up how it would be selected. And I, I, I actually, I sent you some links. Um, and one of the links 
that, that you can include on the pages. Uh, it, it goes to two papers that I presented about Dramaton, at, uh, one at the Computer Game Developers Conference in 97, and once uh, one an AI uh, conference on artificial characters. So if you're, if you're interested in Dramaton, if you're interested in interactive narrative, uh, take a look at those papers and, and you'll understand King a lot deeper. I'll definitely include those. I'll put a link in, in the uh, show notes there. Now, I've got to ask, so do you recall the year that you started uh, working on King? I mean, and, and then do you recall how long it took you to get it to the point where you're ready to, you know, get to, to publish it? How long did it take the process? Well, there were multiple developments. I mean, the Mac... The Mac, the Mac in particular, yeah. Right. That that was about um, six, seven months from... Uh, uh, there's a, a little tiny story that fits in there. The, um, uh, Electronic Arts was very interested in Chipwits, and one of the producers there wanted to uh, turn it into the robot construction set, which, you know, was... A, a construction sets were big for EA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then the producer left. But I spent a couple months working on that at the beginning of, of 86. And so I had to transition rapidly into working on, on the King and wound up. Well, back then it was hit hit Christmas or die. You know, you had yeah. to have it up by um, October. That was pushing it. But um, uh, that, you know, had to publicize it, had to get it in stores and, and uh, um, all that marketing and so um so yeah i'm very proud of that year that was probably the most productive year in my life those uh, <laughs> seven months there and um the king came out and i'm very proud of it so yeah it's incredible that you that you managed i mean just i i just think you know listen in creating any video game is a, is a tall order but Given the and I, I obviously that notebook, but it's still it's hard to 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 think about the amount of dialogue that's that's <laughs> in that game and uh -huh. and the fact and and the many many hours that you could set I mean uh, uh, that you could set and play that game and and get all these different stories and I mean I I've ran through the thing dozens of times I mean you're gonna get a cut you know you here and there you're gonna get some stuff but I mean every once in a while I'll see some stuff I've never seen before and I'm wondering if there's stuff in there. That no one ever gets to. I mean, is, is there combinations yep. of scenes that would be very, very rare to see in that game? Absolutely. I'm convinced. Um, I mean, obviously, I couldn't play all the games, but I'm convinced that, you know, maybe 10, 15 percent of the episodes I wrote uh, have never been played. Really? <laughs> didn't have, you know, uh, if I were to do it today with I, I would do a test sweet to make sure that it was hitting everything and you know but but uh yeah I, I, like i said uh, uh, there's about eight hours of dialogue and um you'll see maybe 20 percent in one uh playthrough one of the things that i don't think is apparent maybe you, you saw it was the game starts in various places and i mean it, uh different conditions some of them pinky the protagonist is very weak and and uh the men in the in the gang don't respect him. Yeah. Um, so he has to do something hard. And other times, uh, knocking off the old man as a walk, you know, is just easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, you know one of the things I wanted to talk. You know, let's, well, I guess before we get into, let's talk about the transition up to the Amiga, since that's what sure. a lot of people are coming here to see. So I, bet. I, I assume that at some point, given the success, uh, do you recall was this a pretty successful release on the Mac when it came out? Yeah, it uh, it got some press and and uh, you know it was popular enough that uh, the Bob actually put some real money into that. Was it always was was uh, CinemaWare's a goal to always branch out all these games to multiple systems, or they're going to see how they did on the original release? Like, what do you remember what the plan was on that? Um. I, I, Bob may have had a plan, you know. I mean, I did just, you know there would be multiple releases of it, or did, were you at first just assumed it was only going to be on the Mac? No, I, well, no, I, I, it, yeah, you're right. It was the plan to branch out yeah. into other systems. And of course, when 
um, when Bob saw the Amiga, that's where his mind went. When I saw the Amiga, you know, his jaw dropping, and it was just this little ball floating around on the screen yeah. that got my attention. How how are they doing that? Um, it was so so advanced. Saw it at a trade show. It might have been uh, CES um, Consumer Electronics Show. Um, and it wasn't a very big display. It was sort of off in a corner, these uh, geeks showing this very cool computer. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So uh, so I was there, I, I, you know, right at the beginning. And uh, immediately, Bob was all in on the Amiga. And, um, you know, I, uh, the just purely the advancing graphics. I mean, uh, th that would have been enough, but, you know, it was an extraordinary computer. It was really, I, I programmed a lot of micros and it was the funnest computer I ever worked on. Um, it was, at that time, it, I mean, it was an adventure to program on the Amiga. It was, it, there weren't tons of example programs that you could take apart. And um, the the place where he went for information about the Amiga was BIX, the Byte Information Exchange, which was not on the internet. It was a BBS. Uh, so you'd sign in with your, you know, squealing uh, modem and uh, look for, you know, just any information on the Amiga. And um, I, I was, I couldn't figure out how to page flip for animation. Uh, it wasn't obvious, <laughs> and um, you know, I, you draw on the off-screen screen, and then you flip it so uh, you know you don't see dirty um, graphic updates taking place. And um, so I once I went on to Bix, and here's how you do. Here's how you flip screens. And I didn't understand the code, about half of it, I didn't understand, um, but I stuck it in and, you know, uh, uh, made some adjustments and it worked. And man, that was, that was a good moment. I mean, um, I like I said, I, I didn't know what the whole thing did. It was like a magic incantation part of it, but I didn't want to go through and even remove a single you know, line of code from it because uh, it worked, and yeah. I was I was on a huge deadline. Um, and like I said, the Amiga uh, King of Chicago um, was upgraded in many ways. I mean, the gameplay, um, the the uh, the whole system of handling the budget. Um, yeah, I had heard the Mac version was could make it it was a bit unyieldy and and uh, <laughs> could make the games last long a long long time is that is that an accurate statement there yep that's yeah. very and i, I like uh, what you i like what that you put together in the amigaverse i think it's uh, a pretty easy to understand and uh and use you know page there with all the funds and whatnot so i can't i i think that was a, probably a pretty good move there to put that in well, I, I really liked, uh, was it your idea, your uh, partners, that I should have simplified it by saying, oh, I'm going to pay the gang more instead of I'm going to pay them <laughs> yeah, $11,305. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't go back and change that, uh, I'm afraid. I so. think it's still, I think it works okay, personally. I kind of like, I like the detail work you could do. In the, because I, one thing about that game, often when you start out, your pinky's so broke that you, I go in there and, uh, uh, fiddle with the numbers so he's got a little bit more money to throw around, you know. And it, that, that I thought that was a, a nice addition. I'm assuming those uh, those figures and the amount of money you're taking it from your various uh, enterprises all play into the story, it's, you know, in some however you've got it set up there. But I yeah. like that. Now, you when you when you brought this over to the Amiga, did you do did you do the bulk of the conversion and someone and then you had some of the staff there somewhere laying the graphics? Is that the way that went down? Or? It was a collaboration. Um, I did, yeah, I did the porting. I had a lot of experience in, in porting, and it was my game, so I wanted to, to fine-tune right. it, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, you ported this to, a, and stop me when I'm wrong here, but I looked at it, I didn't realize how many systems this has gotten ported to until we did the show. <laughs> I mean, and I, I, 
I don't know if you did all these, but I mean, this was on the on the uh, GS. Uh, it was on the ST. I did, I did the GS uh, conversion. And part. you did. I think you also did. The, did you do the X sixty eight thousand? Did you do that one too? That, there's. I, I was real surprised to see it on there. And of course, it was a DOS port as yeah, well. Terrible uh, I, graphics. It got a story about the DOS. The the DOS port. Um, the story. The King had some very <laughs> mild. Uh, profanities you know like i think i used the word ass a couple times uh, <laughs> and um so we sent it to a, a group that were going to port it to the ms dos and not only did they port it but they uh, they um x they they took out they replaced the naughty words with like ass became keister for some reason <laughs> and, and so I said no, and uh, they had to put all my, you know, foul language back in. I mean. <laughs> it's funny because the game, I, you're, it never, it never gets too blue, but it <laughs> certainly is. Um, and I think I even heard it described like this. It's, it's a game for adults. I mean, mm -hmm. it, and one of the things I think is part of the appeal of the game is that you play a guy who is not a nice guy, and he's not going to be a nice guy. He's going to murder people. He's going to he's going to get money. He's going to blow people up. And there's no redemption storyline, not the one I've seen anyway. <laughs> you know, he's a scumbag, but he's your scumbag. You know, that's and, and there's an I think that's part of you know, we mentioned this I mentioned this in the opening when CinemaWare promised these cinematic games. Uh, I think this one above all others puts you in the in the character of a gangster. You know, like a, a Cagney type character, somebody where you're you're not ever going to be you're going to die horribly, probably. And after you do a bunch of horrible acts and the one thing you stuck in it, I love is the because this is the old cliche is the weeping mother who always <laughs> comes around <laughs> to tell you, oh, my poor boy, you used to be so good. You used yeah. to be so nice. And now look at you. Look what you become. I, I love that aspect of it because it it's almost like you've got a moral compass in there because you can get too into being a scumbag. At least there's <laughs> someone in there to kind of line you out uh, when yeah. you when, if you uh, go straight too far from the straight and narrow. Did mm -hmm. you, when you ported this over, did, I mean, and someone asked this in the chat, did the, did your dialogue, did you pretty much bring everything from the Mac version? Everybody, was there anything added, taken away? Um, I probably, <clears throat> probably about 90%. Um, you know, I had to accommodate the new um, budget system, the, the ledger. And so that removed a lot of boring scenes when you were talking to Ben about <laughs> pay my men more. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, ledger's a lot. Lot easier, but um, didn't add didn't add a lot to the storyline. I mean, it was always very <clears throat> very dark. A lot of ways to um, do bad things and meet bad ends, and you know, very few, if any, uh, you know, uh, positive <laughs> endings. And, and it's funny because I'm a real positive guy, but I really like gangst those gangster movies. Yeah. I. I them you, you know once i i uh uh decided to do king i i watched a lot of gangster movies and you know they're filled with stereotypes i mean the mom comes from there and then of course there's lola who is the gangster all <laughs> who she's she's just a gold digger and um that's and if if you don't treat her right she'll set you up to be killed by the rival gang you know i don't know if you ever saw that storyline yeah, but i have You've got to take yeah. care. You know, I, I listen to a lot of old radio shows in the 50, 40s and 50s. I'm a big old radio show guy. And these characters, and she, her in particular, they came right out of the radio. Of course, that was the way it was, women were often portrayed back in those days. Oh, yeah. Just they were uh, shifty, money-grubbing. You know, they'll stab yeah. you in the back and heartbeat. And, and she fits the bill perfectly. But she's got her own She's got her own thing. She's not totally a carbon copy. And it, it, it again, she's another little addition. I like these little additions, the mother and her. They they spice it up. They keep everything fresh because you're not always doing the exact same stuff. I wanted to ask you about the um, the little games that were stuck in here, the uh, bomb and the guns and the what's the now, were, were those were those you? Were, how did that come in? Okay, I will. All I can do is apologize for what? those games. <laughs> I. 
I my heart is not in them. Um, it was part of the Cineware thing. Yeah. Um, I had to do some, but I think it shows that my heart wasn't. <laughs> I don't think they're that bad, Doug. I, I kind of, right. you know, they, they fit the story a lot of times, you know, listen, if you, of course, I'm sure you've looked at some of the other offerings from somewhere and let's take rocket ranger, for example, that whole game, at least your game is a game with those sort of tacked on some of those cinemaware games. That's the game. <laughs> those right. little things, and, that, and that's a, a, a real problem, but. They weren't that bad, so I'm guessing. So you actually developed it. You did those oh, yeah. yourself, oh, yeah. yeah. Because they, they yeah. are. No, I, I designed them and um, coded them. You know, unwillingly. <laughs> I mean, it, it was sort of fun. I, I was so into the the story and the dialogue that um, you know, like I said, my heart wasn't in them, and I I I, I sometimes feel like apologize. I could have done a much. Better job. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't hate those at all. I'm surprised. I'm, <laughs> I, I really don't. And I'll tell you one of the things I really liked. One of the first times I, one of the first go arounds I had, you've got a one of the mini games is where you're shooting at these windows and pro profiles pop up. You know the one. Oh, and yeah. so I clipped a chick in 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 there. And then uh, it's normally in this little mini games, you do whatever you want. There's really no ramifications from it, you know. And so I got back, instantly got arrested and taken to the chair because I killed this one. I thought to myself, holy smokes, even <laughs> even this plays into the, you know, I couldn't believe it. I love that, though. I thought it was real neat. I mean, it's a cinemaware staple. It's funny because those those sorts of games that you put in that game. They appear through a lot of the other Cinemaware titles. I mean, that exact sort of thing. So they seem right in line, you know, with everything else there. Now, um, when you saw the game with the new graphics and stuff, I mean, uh, what did I mean? Were you happy with the way it turned out graphically? Uh, you know, having gone from the clay figures and stuff, I mean, did, did this look? Did this look like a vision you would have had about how the game was supposed to be? I loved it. Um, I was lucky enough to work with Rob Landeros, yeah. uh, um, who went on to do the seventh guest. And uh, oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was very fortunate. He did a, a great job. He he based some of the the characters on on uh, his relatives, uh, and um, yeah, and and. Again, um, I mean, he he put all his his effort into the faces, the expressions, um, and uh, the backgrounds. Their their suits and things like that had to be very simple because it had to ship on two discs. Sure, and, yeah, crammed a lot a lot into those two discs. It um, it works. The the uh, the the faces are very emotive, and and I and they uh, I think it works well. Again, it gives it sort of this. It gives it a cinematic feel that these games don't often don't often get, and so I I really like that aspect of it. And I, I've got to mention this: the uh, the music in this is real. Wow. It's a real odd collection. And I told I told Bo, I don't know. I, I assume you saw the last week we talked about, it, but in no in, in a in a vacuum, if if I listen to stuff like in my car, it'd be like this is this is madness. This is madness music. But in the scope of this game, it really does sort of link the scenes together because you're changing scenes so often. And there's always that, you know, there's a little cut scene in there. I actually learned to really appreciate the music. How, what was the, th the thinking behind how the music was laid out in this? The thinking was, um, thank goodness Bill w Williams is doing the music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I was able to, to collaborate with, you know, I, I, Bow down to Bill Williams. Um, he did so much, uh, and beside creating games, he he was a musician. Um, he he coded the the music system, so it was easy to me. You know, I I just called and he'd name all the themes, and and I'd figure out where they fit. And it was easy for as a coder to use his music. And he also did the sound effects. Uh, don't know if you remember where they they dump a dead body into the into lake michigan <laughs> yeah, um, okay. yeah so he told me to get that sound effect um he he wrapped a couple bricks in a blanket and um and uh dunked them repeatedly into his bathtub while he recorded so <laughs> i love it i love that and bill you know uh tragic story he he 
he he died early from cystic fibrosis mm. uh, and um you know he he was such a nice guy he was a pleasure to to work with i really liked i really liked uh, his efforts here i mean again it's a, it's a this is not your usual video game you can't just put in anything it has and it and it worked that's the one thing i like about uh the king of chicago it's a, it's a everything about it uh, um works in tandem so there's a nice flow to it when you play it because it it, it could easily be feel disjointed if there wasn't something that was kind of linking everything together you know and that works you know on top of the the brilliant dialogue now when this game came out at least on the amiga i mean this was a this was a bona fide hit right i mean i, I read that this sold in, uh, somewhere in the ballpark of what five hundred thousand units across the platform i wish i, wish. I mean I, that's what i was gonna ask you i thought to myself that seems like an awful lot of units where did, do you have any idea what this thing moved about 55k about 50 someone asked someone added a zero there that i, I would wager yeah. so well yeah. 55k so that, is, the, is the that 500,000 is uh of course defender of the crown um, oh yeah i'm proud, yeah. <laughs> I'm proud that uh, king of chicago was cinemaware's uh second you know, uh, best-selling game in the first two years. Did but, you uh, did you know what was going on at Cinemore while you were working on this? That did you did you were you privy to SDI and and uh, oh, yeah. uh, what was going on? Did when those games? I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. I I, I like Defender of the Crown. It's a beautiful game. You know, the artwork, of course, is is magnificent. But in terms of the actual gameplay, it's pretty limited. You know, yeah. and these early Cinemore games sort of were like that. Uh, did I mean? But they they really blew everyone away in terms of the presentation. That's sort of. But I mean, yours seems to have a lot more depth than it does. Uh, but I mean, you when you watched when you looked at these games as they were being made, could you tell that this was going to be a big deal? The king would be a big deal. The, all, any um, of the Cinemaware games that you see once, you thought, oh, okay, this is going to be a huge hit. I mean, I was in Bob Jacobs' sphere of influence, and you know, he had this vision, and it just. Yeah, it, it, it made sense. I I thought I was doing a great job. Um, I didn't play the other games in depth, but they looked really good. So, you know, I felt that launching four games of high quality um, were going to make an impact um, on the industry. And that's what happened. Um, yes, sir. But, I, they Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was like, a, a, I mean, what I remember when he's, I'm old. Doug, and I remember when all these were, co were coming out. Well, you got you got a few years on me, my friend, but not, you're not ahead, too far ahead. But I remember when all these came out, and they really were. Of course, the Amiga was a, a remarkable machine at the time, so far ahead of everything else. But th this was the first. Th this set of titles were the first ones that really. This was the perfect machine to release these games on, and it was Absolutely. a marriage uh, uh, made in the stars. And uh, uh, it, and so, of course, here we are talking about them all these years later. Yeah. You know, I wonder, this is completely off the subject, but I had to bring this up. I was, uh, again, this is Digital Antiquarian. He has a quote in here from you. Uh, and I thought to myself, this is so funny. Uh, he says, in a presentation uh, on King of Chicago at the 1989 Game Developers Conference, you guessed that artificial intelligence would reach a point around 2030 uh, uh, where you call fat and deep uh, AI-driven story story-making games will become possible. Now, the quote that continues this, he says, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Now, this is a pretty old article, but here we are in 2023, and it's absolutely, I mean, you were you were pretty close, I think. I mean, <laughs> do you, I don't know if you remember saying that, but I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, you've yeah. got to be looking on here, and it's like, here it comes. <laughs> I couldn't believe the timeliness of that article. I mean, I'd say by 2030, we're going to be right in it. Uh, I think you were dead on. I, I, I've always, you know, I write sci-fi, so I follow AI. And sure. even back in 97, there were some curves of improvement that were pointing to, you know, a, a uh, singularity. And um, my my uh, uh, sci-fi books, uh, Channel Zulch and Hell's Bet, are, have a lot to, of uh, singularity storytelling. I was so. going to ask you about that because now oh, I want to let me touch on one thing. And I want to get to the books because one thing I wondered is um, when you finished King and of course <laughs> it was a it was a big hit uh, and CinemaWare was on fire. 
Uh, why not? Why? Where was King too? Where was? Uh, where where was the next offering from you? Why didn't we get? Did you just hit the wall on some of the stuff, or what was it that that uh, that? Why did you not? Why do we not get any more games like this? Or are there some I don't know about? Because I you know I'd love to know about them. No, no. Um, you know, uh, uh, I was uh, I survived Cinemaware. Let's put it that way. It was a draw on you, was it? <laughs> it, it I'm. I, I appreciate what Cineware did for me, but you know there there were some things that uh, made it so I had to leave. Um, and you know part of it was okay. I was hot at that point. I I I'd written a hit, and um, so I had opportunities with other um, with other publishers, and um, I, I uh, Activision bit on a design called. Um, Future Cop was what, what the the beginning title. Mm. So I and I, I was basing it on the Dramaton system, um, and um, threw myself into it. Assembled a team of artists, you know, a musician, and you know, unfortunately, throughout my life, I've been hobbled by some brain damage, um, uh, actually from high school football. And oh, so at boy. that point, uh, I started to have seizures, out of control seizures, and that knocked me out for for uh, three and a half years. And by the time I emerged from that bout, uh, I I was no longer hot property. Um, and you know, we we I I did my worst game that everybody should in, uh, avoid free DC, um, and <laughs> that. And then I got hired into Microsoft Research's Virtual Worlds group, and that—that's another story. Um, but I, I read that on your—I read that on your bio, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not 100 sure what even that is. Is that what were they doing there? Just in a, in a nutshell, we were creating um, cyberspace. We were convinced that uh, you know virtual reality is the way people would relate to one another uh, in in a decade or so. And we built a very cool system, but it was way more demanding uh, hardware wise than the, uh, you know, than the market. <laughs> and and um, so we, we had some good demos, we had some good times. It was a, a, a great little group with a bunch of creative people. That is, um, that is, that would be fascinating. And it, you know, it's funny that sort of, that problem sort of still hampers us in a lot of ways. I mean, I, how many times have we started and stopped on what would ultimately, hopefully, be some sort of virtual reality? It just, it, it, there's always uh, there's always a little roadblock here. They're usually hardware related. I'm still hopeful that uh, you know somewhere down the line, hopefully, my lifetime will be. I, I, I love Neuromancer. I'm a big William Gibson fan, so you know I always want to jack in. <laughs> I would love to have done that. So you're a very privileged man just to get to play around with that. That's that's lucky. You know, yeah. you mentioned you'd had some health issues, and I saw um, as I was lo looking into what you'd been up to that you and you mentioned this earlier that you'd written some sci-fi. You want to talk about can, just a little? Give us a little sure. nugget. What have you been up to sci-fi-wise? I, I like sci-fi, but I'm a big fan. Okay, um, well, um, there at the end of my Microsoft um, uh, career, five years, ninety-seven. Um, my seizures started up again, so I had to leave and um, did some brain damage, the seizures, and so I could no longer program. Um, I, I have a number of cognitive deficits, and so um, rather than, <laughs> you know, not doing anything creative, I, I returned to my, um, you know, my fifth grade vision of me being a great writer. And um, so, yeah, I wrote, took me a long time because um, of my, my I, I won't go into it, but it took me 21 years to <laughs> finish Chattel Zilch. And um, uh, actually, well, and uh, Chattel Zilch is about stealing a space shuttle to kickstart the singularity in, in one sense. And I call it my humorous sci-fi thriller. And um, it's, I'm, I'm proud of it. I, you know, I, I, I gave you a link uh, that you can share. Uh, to Absolutely. It. Yeah, it's gotten, gotten good reviews, never a big hit, but uh, yeah, I'd appreciate it if 
some people took a look at. And your offerings are, uh, they're all available on Amazon, right? I, I looked right. over, it looked like they were all still good to go. So that might be, listen, I'm definitely going to pick that up. I, I like I like a good sci-fi book now and again. And, you know, Boat's a big, he's a book reading sucker. So I get, he loves that stuff. Now, I want, I'm working on a new book, too. I got to oh. tell you. Go what, what? Can you give us a little tip? Or what? What do you yeah, got cooking oh, yeah, there? Yeah, no, it's called Elon Musk and the Sweatshop on Mars. It's <laughs> a satirical book uh, that's going to be set on, <laughs> on Mars after you know when when Musk settlement is is set up. So I'm I'm having fun with it. I can't even imagine what that's about. <laughs> oh my, the provocative title, that's for sure. Doug. Um. Now, again, you may or may not want to talk about this, but I, I know I, you had written up, I think it was on your blog or this, that you were co-founder of the uh, something called the Central Pain Syndrome Foundation. This is a, this is a uh, charitable foundation here. Can you, do you want to talk about that a little bit in case somebody wants to, uh, would like to look into that? Well, I, one of the, my, the main problem that I got from my uh, brain damage is a condition called Central Pain Syndrome. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's. It's nasty. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, for a time, um, the the foundation, because of our illnesses, it was hard to keep it running. Let's mm -hmm. put it that way. So, but it was a good effort. And we, we connected with some people who are still, you know, connected through the internet. And that, that was, that was good. But, yeah. I checked, I checked them out a little bit. I mean, again, my mom has the chronic pain back issues. So I, I can fully understand that that going down that path i always like to see something like that hey being co-founder something like that it's something to hang your hat on because if you even help one person with something like that you've done something you know that's because that's that's a that's a long road to hoe uh with that sort of uh, sort of ailment there um before we fold it up here i definitely want to talk about your i guess what you call what you're doing with chip which would you call this a revival or was a, a sequel what, what's the scoop of what you've got cooking here Okay, we call it a reboot. Um, <laughs> Only one I didn't say. You know, Chipwits. That's <laughs> oh, is that backwards? On no, I got it. It looks fine. Okay, um, I I um, I've always had as much interest from old players in reviving Chipwits uh, as there's been interest in King of Chicago, um, and um, King of Chicago really didn't need a modern reboot. It, it, it was what it is. But Chipwitz um, had a lot of potential to go in new directions. And so uh, a couple of years ago, it just hit me. I know a guy who's a programmer who became a programmer because he played Chipwitz when he was a teenager. And um, so I approached uh, uh, Mark Roth, and he was delighted. It's like a dream project for him. Uh, and he's led a team that has just improved Chipwits beyond my wildest hopes. Uh, it's it's beautiful. It plays beautifully. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I have a lot of hopes for it commercially. Um, uh, people got really addicted to the old Chipwits and uh, that's going to be uh, times <laughs> a million with the new one. So yeah, check, do check it out. I'd really appreciate it if you signed up for the mailing list and we're going to do play testing and um, yeah. And I'll, pro I provided you a link to some reviews more about Chipwit. So uh, you can, I'll stick that in the show notes there. You know, before we go, I've got to ask the, the big question here, Doug, uh, mm -hmm. you're, you've got a few years on me. How did, how in God's name did you manage to keep that beautiful hair uh, on your head all these years, and and here I am without a speck. You've got long, golden, beautiful locks of hair, and I've got nothing here. I, I would love you. You you do not look your age. You, I look like the seventy-five or eighty-year-old guy. And you look like you're about you're about fifty-five or sixty, Doug. You've 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 been living right, my friend. Thank you. Well. <laughs> I've I've earned every one of my seventy one years, so so I'm I'm not shy about saying it. <laughs> just owe it to genetics. I, it was roll of the dice, and uh, yeah, and of course, 
purple there, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love it, man. I love it. You know, one thing we didn't, we can't stop you. I got one more thing I got to mention. Let's keep going. I actually have a few notes that. Uh, oh, yeah. I if you've got more, about. get in there. But I, I, yeah. I want to talk real quick about how we actually ended up meeting because if you don't mind, just because i thought it was so funny we did a show years and years ago gosh it was way back in the probably the first couple of years we did the show where we interviewed a guy named zvin from uh cinemaware in germany he actually came on the show and he was plugging a uh defender of the crown like uh super set that was coming out i mean and we were going to give a copy this way we i mean we plugged this thing for years waiting for it to come out and mm-hmm. uh uh you out of the blue i got a comment on that show that's from you and you're talking about spin not paying and i thought to myself that sounds about right and i thought that's so i had to send you a note or get trying to hook up with you i was like because it just struck me as funny that of all the of all the comments we've ever gotten on the show and by the way that's not the first time i've heard that but not about spin there's been a we contacted another fellow for the exact same reason but somebody got so i'm guessing getting held up for money uh, was not an uncommon occurrence back in the day and i yeah. don't think either one of us are gonna be talking to spin again so i thought that was p- pretty amusing i yeah yeah no <laughs> it was uh, right now you know it's uh i think it's still there's a cinemaware package on steam so yeah you know it's quite good it. yeah I, I, it, they've got they've got sort of an anthology over haven't, there haven't gotten a nickel from that oh so. I, well there and, you go yeah um so oh um few few notes i took during your review sure. of king of Sh- one there never was a serious effort to put it on the commodore 64 really I mean, it would have been there just wasn't enough memory there it, it would have been uh yeah no, was that so that was never because it's that was something i read on i believe it was on moby or wiki well, of course you get all kinds of crazy comments there so there was never any sort of no one ever approached you about porting that over well we discussed it at length you know because <laughs> it was a hope but i just yeah. had to say no this is a no no can do um uh so um okay i'm gonna oh i i loved your comments about deaths in king of chicago how they were so funny the the character would just slump down and say ah or something close to that and what was better is they would they would be there for scenes they would just be slumped down it was always it was but i mean it it was fine you know i understood why it was like that but it it is amusing yeah it, it it amused me um, let me see. Okay, we've we've covered most of the things I had notes for. Although um, I wanted to say that one of my next projects is came from your guys' suggestions. I am going to do a King of Honolulu, and then <laughs> my next game is going to be a zip line from the top of the Louvre to the top of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> so thanks for those ideas. Oh guys. boy. Listen, no one's ever listened to our show to get their programming. Cause I can tell you that right now. It's a who's <laughs> who is of what not to do with your program. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks a bunch. This has been a pleasure and uh, we'll stay connected. Thank so. you very much, Doug. And good luck with uh, Chip Wits and your books. I hope everyone will uh, check this stuff out. I mean, Listen, we know this man can write up some dialogue. I have no doubt. When you when you when I read that you had books on the offer, I was like, boy, I'm not surprised by that. Because probably writing a book's half half the dialogue that's in King of, King of Chicago. So but uh, Douglas, I really appreciate it. I'll let you get back uh to doing your thing and we will chat at you somewhere down the road, my friend. Have a cool. good evening, everybody, and thanks for uh, tuning in. Adios, everyone. Yeah.